Welcome to The Reacher's Handbook, a podcast about making social media meaningful, finding your joy, and what to do when the life you'd imagined for yourself is stuck in committee. A few years ago, this woman in Alberta, those are my neighbors, made a rap video about the move to gender-neutral bathrooms in their province. She started by arguing, there are so few trans kids in the province, why all this fuss? I agree with that. Let's just let the people pee where they need to pee. But that was not where she was headed. She then continued on to argue against gender-neutral bathrooms and also against trans kids' existence in general with winner phrases like, the animals, oh, they lead with more guile, their offspring keep their gender in the wild. She wasn't completely immune to compassion, of course, with phrases like, my heart goes out to the fatherless and abused and perhaps that is why there are some confused... She ended with a rallying cry for people of faith to stand up and seize the day and keep male and female bathrooms so our children can pee. It was A, an affront to trans people, and B, definitely an affront to rap. I I was a little bit mama bear defensive because my youngest son spent years as what he described as gender creative, which was mostly just a very sparkly boy who did jazz hands a lot and loved My Little Pony. I mean, don't get me wrong, his behavior would have gotten his face mashed into a wall if he'd done it when I was in school, but eh, times had already changed. It was mostly fine. That said, Anthony was very offended by this rap. I know his exact words because in those days, I transcribed everything onto Facebook, including our conversations about worrying about his digital footprint. It appears I did not see the irony in any of this. From Facebook, Mum, says Anthony. I may not be trans, but I know what it's like when you go into a washroom and nobody thinks you belong there. Mum, I have to make a rebuttal. Mum, she's being a bully and I have things to say. And also, I am a way better rapper than she is. At this point in the Facebook status update set to public, I explained to my son about being careful about his digital footprint and future jobs and so on and how people would judge him. For wearing pink pants as a kid, Anthony answers, scathingly. If people might judge me for that later, mum, that is not a reason to be quiet. That is a reason to speak up. At this point, my friend Sean texted that it might be time for me to do less shielding and more supporting. Anthony was still watching the video with his mouth hanging open. Mum, he said. She says animals are not gender fluid. What does that even mean? What on earth would a transgender animal be? Like lipstick on a rooster? The animals are all peeing in the same spot already. Does she understand that? So we wrote the best spoof rap, he and I. We held her rhyme and rhythm scheme, such as she even had one, and we refuted each phrase point by point. It was, it was a little long for Anthony to memorize, but I could do it and it was going to be brilliant. Side note, I looked the script up as I was writing this. It would not have been brilliant. Oh, it might easily have gone viral, but not for the reasons I would have been hoping for. It would have been a train wreck of middle-aged women resolving their PTA issues via horrifyingly bad rap battles on YouTube. Like, immediately following me explaining to Anthony about how he needed to mind his digital footprint. The part that seemed to offend Anthony the most was the part where she asked religious people to join with her. He did not think the church people would support the cyberbullying, and in his experience, church was the one place you could wear whatever you wanted and certainly pee wherever you liked. I did explain to him about the religious right, 
but he just waved his hand and dismissed them as a bunch of silly people who do not understand the point of church. And then he got kind of quiet. Mom, we have to tell them, he said. I was not really listening. I was tweaking the rhyme scheme on my rap. Tell them what, honey? The trans kids, Mom. The ones in the mean churches. They need to know it doesn't have to be like that. I was not crazy about this idea. I was way more interested in my witty spoof rap that would put her in her place. I was not interested in making a rap video telling teenagers that they should go visit their local Unitarian church. But Anthony persisted, as did the sticky note that was beside my computer monitor at the time. I didn't have a lot of guidance back then. If you're going to be a minister, there are like books and classes and mentors and practicums. If you're going to do some kind of digital not a ministry, meh. There are some how-to YouTube videos and some marketing information. That stuff is more about production and getting likes and clicks and things. There was nothing to guide me in the bigger direction of where I wanted to go. There was nothing for me to use to figure out what was a good idea. I mean, obviously, there was nothing helping me figure out what was a good idea. So this was what my sticky note was for. I can't tell you how it came to be because that involves telling a story that isn't mine to tell, but I can tell you what I wrote on it. In its incarnation at that time, there's been several versions, it read, Who are you reaching for? Who are you reaching for? This is an incredibly wise question. The video I was about to record was not for trans kids. I wasn't speaking to them. I was speaking to her. I wasn't even really speaking to her. She, like trans kids, would have been a prop in my performative ally rap moment. Who are you reaching for? Nobody. Who should you be reaching for? I should have been reaching for the trans kids who just saw her video, who think they have nowhere to go, who think that church, all church, is one more place that's going to throw them under the bus. If we were making this video for trans kids, I asked Anthony, then what would it say? I think, Anthony answered, that it wouldn't be us. This was not what I wanted to hear. I think it would be church people, said Anthony saying things to the trans kids, saying all the things that they said to me. I posted about that on Facebook. And the church people's answers poured in. In the end, the video we made had no rhyme scheme at all, and it was not at all witty. It started like this. Anthony here. Um, I'm here to discuss a um, Alberta mom who uh, tried to make a rap video she was talking about how transgendered people shouldn't have the rights to go to their proper washrooms. I don't support that, and I'm not transgendered myself, but I do know how it feels um, to be out of place in an area of sex or gender. Then a couple of clips from her rap video, and then... Kids out there for trans... I made this message for you. If you haven't found a place where you feel loved, you have to keep looking because it's out there somewhere for you. Don't stop looking till you find the place where in your heart you feel safe and loved and accepted. That woman said seize the day. Now it cuts to a screen that says, what would you say to trans kids? Unitarians across the country wanted to join us to say, 
this. Then it cuts to music and it's just image after image of congregations and clergy and loving old ladies holding up signs they wrote with messages of love and acceptance. Message after message, like we couldn't fit them all in. And then at the end, a slide saying Unitarians are one of many supportive religions with links and information to find resources and community of many types. Oh, and then an outtake. I think it's very dangerous, guys, to say to a bunch of Unitarians, Unitarians, to speak up. Because <laughs> we will. In the end, the only part of me in that video is that laugh at the end, which is how it should be, because trans kids don't need to hear that Liz is a good ra rapper, which is not what they would have been hearing, believe me. They need to hear that the people in communities across the country are waiting to accept them. It is so easy to say that we want to steer away from performative wokeness and over towards being a genuine and humble ally, and it is so hard to do it. And I've found that who are you reaching for is a really valuable question in that journey. You can use it if you have a podcast or a channel or a platform to choose what you're going to say and figure out which conversations you need to wade into. And you can also just use it on threads on Facebook. Play with it as a tool. See what happens. For me, it helps me steer clear of something I call tulip butterflying. I'm putting a link in the show notes to a video by CGP Grey that transformed how I interact online. You need to watch this video if you haven't seen it. One of the points that he makes is that rage is really good at attracting attention on the internet. This was big news when he made the video, not so much big news now. He points out that a good rage-inducing message will go viral and it wipes through the online world, but if you pay attention, you see that rage is a virus that devours its host. Pure outrage captures people's attention, sure, and then it gets boring. In order for a message to keep propagating, it needs a way to make itself new all the time. For rage to last, it needs a debate. People getting mad on one side, then people arguing on the other side. Gray explains that we think of two sides of so many of these entrenched arguments as enemies. But from the perspective of the rage machine, they're symbiotic. They need each other to continue to exist or people would get bored. From an ecosystem perspective, one side in the debate is a field of tulips and the other side is a swarm of butterflies. Tulips and butterflies. I was feeding the things I thought I was fighting with. I'd always thought of these arguments as like a divine tug of war for justice, with me, of course, on Team Justice. And I thought that if we pulled hard enough, we would win. I would ask people to come join me on this thread over here so we could pile on and then the debate would turn our way. And of course, the people on the other side would also pile people of their own on. And I never once questioned whether or not this was a good use of my time or what I could be doing instead. I never realized how often winning looks like dropping the rope and walking away. This is the opposite of what the marketing people will tell you. Marketing people will tell you that shame and rage are great. Marshalling them well is a great way to do a lot of things. Change laws. For example, politicians care about rage. It gets people to the polls. Raise money. Quickly amass a bunch of likes or views or a following that you can maybe sell. But for what I think of as reaching, 
Rage is a tool best wielded with a lot of caution. The following you can amass using it will be one based on reactivity, on opposition. It's not going to be a community. It will be a group of people who don't have the skills or possibly even the desire to gather around anything but a fight. And gathering around a fight is a good way to bond, but communities built around rage are fragile and shallow. So if you don't want to be butterfly to someone else's tulips, you don't want to help build that, what are the other options? Like, what if the message is terrible? Do you just shut up and let it grow? No, 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 no. The number one way to kill a tulip is to plant something else awesome right beside it. So like on a micro level, if you watch the U Hysterical Society closely, you will see Kathy put up a few gifts from time to time randomly in threads. They're related to the thread, but only sort of. And you know what is going on there? Someone has said something iffy, not like bannable iffy, but something that might start a cascade of comments. And Kathy knows if she jumps on it, she'll draw attention to it. So she puts in a couple of well-placed something else's and then the comment disappears into obscurity. Because people say crappy things all the time. Crappy things are part of life. Algorithms will kill them. Unless a butterfly appears to shine a spotlight on the crappy thing and then you have a problem. Of course, sometimes something is too big for burying. Sometimes you have to say something. And that's where I found the idea of who are you reaching for to be so helpful in framing what you're going to say. So if I'm tulip butterflying, which I still catch myself doing all the time, I might respond to a challenging comment with something along the lines of, here are all the reasons why what you said is stupid and mean. I, w- I wouldn't say it like that, but usually I would say it in like a mean, funny, witty joke that I want to make that I'm justifying because the person is wrong. Or if maybe I want to show off my non-existent rap skills or whatever. Usually, though, the reason why I do it is me-based. Like, that I'm secretly hoping that my trans and non-binary friends are watching and that they will see how woke I am and admire that. Side note, that is not what they do. Pretty sure what they do is they think, oh, here was a chance for someone else to do the hard work of empathizing and walking with somebody through thinking all this stuff over, and now this person has been shamed, and the walking with work is still left for me to do, and now it's going to be harder. That's, I suspect, what they usually think, although that's tangential, because the point isn't what they are or are not thinking about what I did. The point is, what is the effect of my actions? Have I made the world a better place for trans and non-binary people? And shame-based resentful compliance, even if I have earned this person's compliance, it's not a foundation for building a better world. What this person probably needs is empathy and a gentle nudge. After all, that's what people gave to me when I have been expressing similar kinds of things that needed learning. (laughs) In an ideal world, I might talk about my experience with that and why and how I shifted my perspective. I might point out what their comment might sound like to someone who was taking it wrong, or I might affirm that I don't think that that is what they're trying to say, though. Nine times out of ten people that say dumb things on the internet just didn't think it through. It's easy to think that the difference between you and whoever who is being wrong on the internet is that you are more wise and anti-oppressive than they are, but that is not the real difference. The real difference is... This week is their turn and your turn is coming later. It's usually not that people were trying to be mean. But one time out of ten maybe, oh yeah, they did mean to be mean. 
And that's when it's all the more important that you have reached. Because then Captain initially subtle crappy thing has to specify. Oh, no, I did intend to say that 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 my grammar preferences are the primary issue here above all else or whatever it is. No, no, that is what I meant. <laughs> and then in that case, hmm, who are you reaching for still holds. But now it is a direct reach, especially if you're moderating. But even if you aren't, you speak directly to the person or the group that would be harmed by the thing. Instead of, blah, blah, I know so much about pronouns, or, well, but have we thought about this idea of pronouns, this or that, or knowledge? No, 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 not ideas, humans. I'm aware there will be people on this thread who are dealing with this as an exhausting thing in their lives right now, and I just want to say to them that, and then you reach. You ignore Captain Grammar Nazi, ban them if you can, and don't waste a bunch of time explaining to them why, and pivot hard. Who are you reaching for? reach. Several important things happen when you do this. First, Captain Grammar Nazi disappears. Even if not banned, they will probably post a speech about the PC police and how if people aren't kinder, I'm gonna storm off. Captain Grammar Nazi, by the way, does not understand how threats actually work. Just let them storm off, which they definitely will. The conversation is no longer about them, after all, and now it is boring. So they will go hunt for other butterflies to help them get the debate they're looking for. The second thing that happens is you have actually changed the impact of the thing that was said. It is one thing to sit and watch a bunch of people debate, say, your right to exist and be treated with dignity. It's entirely another thing to hear one idiot start spouting off and then watch the whole conversation pivot to centering you and checking in. And that second thing hurts less. One doofus being a dipshit is not a mortal wound. The world is filled with dipshits. The mortal wound happens when the response from a community you thought had your back is a debate centered on that person in a way that ignores you. Don't let that happen. Okay, the third thing that happens when you remember who you're reaching for is that you have refused to waste your life pollinating Captain Grammar Nazi's dumb internet argument. Because that will suck your life away, and we've got things to do. <laughs> and how do you kill an invasive plant? You plant other stuff. We need to spend our time planting other stuff, better stuff. Any gardener will tell you, pulling weeds on its own, not how you make a garden. You have to plant and water. And if you do that stuff really well, the weeds get drowned out on their own. Do not waste time on power struggles that could be spent time building something awesome that gives you a voice that you can use. Okay, before I move on, I need to add a disclaimer here. I have spoken this whole time as though you are an ally on the thread, which is usually most people on most threads. Statistically, that's how minorities work. But sometimes you are the person being dehumanized. And when that is the case, first of all, take or leave my advice. I don't have your life experience. But secondly, talking nice to people who are hurting you might not be the thing you need. If this is the case, who are you reaching for? You're reaching for you. Reach. Put yourself in the center. Take care of yourself and your own needs first. And when people talk about self-care, they're not really talking about shit you buy like nail polish and spa days. Self-care really means that you do not owe every jackass on the internet an explanation about why your existence is justified. And the just world you are envisioning 
doesn't depend on this one thread. You can engage or not. Reach for yourself. Put your own needs first. In my experience, it's often better to lean towards not engaging. I argued until I was blue in the face at seminary about how the structures of Unitarian Universalism shut out people with alternative learning styles, and I was offered accommodation, and that was great. In the end, though, those battles didn't and couldn't accomplish systemic change. Because we don't just need reading aids at seminary. We need a different way of assigning value and more diverse ways of distributing power. My voice was so small back then, and those changes were so big. Even if people were trying to help me, there was no way I was going to win that tug of war. Dropping the rope? Best thing I ever did. When I left seminary to build the thing, I was not trying to change how we think about people with ADHD, by the way. I gave up on that. I just wanted a space that fit me. I was reaching for myself. But when I did, I made something valuable. And now, when and if I decide to return to those conversations, I can point to this thing that I have created and I can say, hmm, how many million people is your organization reaching each month? If I want to say that, I can use what I have made to amplify my voice when I need to, and I can start to ask, are you sure you want to keep shutting people like me out? We think of privilege as a fixed thing you get from being in a category like race or gender or what have you. Absolutely. It's absolutely that. But you also build privilege by creating good things and a platform and a voice people listen to. Trick is, with the building, not all of us get the same building blocks to start with. And if you have an identity you have to defend, that can starve you out of the energy and the vitality you're going to need to create your thing. Sometimes you have no choice but to be in that fight. I get it. But don't be there any more than you have to. Do not treat yourself like a tool. Value your time and your energy. Build your own garden. Grow it taller than the weeds. So the exercise for this week is pretty simple. When you're about to engage, this works online and in person, actually, in a tulip butterfly situation, pause. Ask yourself, who are you reaching for? See how playing with this idea changes how and if and when you engage with people. Use a sticky note reminder if you have to. Oh, and by the way, you can write whatever you want in the sticky note. If my thing sounds helpful, great. But if you have another way that you want to be intentional or another phrase you want to use, that's great too. Just bring some intentionality to it. My sticky note, by the way, did evolve over time. My favorite, more or less final, at least for right now, version reads as follows. Step one, figure out who you're reaching for. Step two, reach. Step three, stop doing all those things that are not reaching. Next week, we'll talk more about that last point. You've been listening to Reach, a podcast about where what you have to offer meets the world's needs. And wait, 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 don't sign off. (laughs) So how I describe this to Anne is this is the podcast that I wish I had 10 years ago when I left seminary. But that's not actually what I want to make. What I want to make is the podcast that you wish we had right now. And a couple of friends have responded with, questions and thoughts about the podcast and I realized how incredibly wonderful it is to structure this more like a conversation 
I would love it if you've been listening. If you want to get in touch with thoughts, comments, ideas, I hope to read some of them on the podcast. We can add in a response time at the end or in the middle, which is sometimes how it goes. Because here's the thing, Unitarians who are interested in reaching in some way, not that big a group, especially not the ones who are like, all the way interested enough to listen to three episodes of a podcast rather than interested enough to make a speech at the general meeting about how we need to change to meet the future. The ones who are really engaging is a pretty small group of people and a big part of what you need isn't actually information but relationship and networking and a conversation and I encourage you to get in touch even if we are not friends. I want to hear about what you're looking for. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your questions, ideas that you'd like to hear discussed. You can get in touch with me through the UU Hysterical Society contact form. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and reach out. This needs to be a conversation. We need to know each other. We need colleagues and community if we're going to be able to build the things that we need to build and the things that I would argue the world would benefit from us building link in the show notes. Reach out. Oh, it was a pun. Reach out. Kathy will be so happy. You've been listening to The Reacher's Handbook, a Mirth and Dignity production. For more information about Mirth and Dignity, the UU Hysterical Society, or the UU comedy podcast, The Cracked Cup, that Liz co-hosts with Ann Barker, see links in the show notes. If you want to be on our mailing list, or if you want to learn more about upcoming preaching or congregation visits by Liz, also check out the show notes. The Reacher's Handbook was created using a generous grant from the UU Funding Panel and the support of our Mirth and Dignities Patreon community. Information about both of those is also in the show notes. Also a big thank you to Trudy Diamond for her long-suffering editing of Liz's scripts. Music for The Reacher's Handbook is done by Blue Dot Sessions, and editing and producing is done by yours truly, Anwin Dyko. Thanks for listening, and get unstuck from that committee. <laughs>